unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing good. I feel like we've got another fantastic episode lined up for the copywriters out there today. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this this is something I've been thinking about a lot. You know, I I'm a creative person. You're a creative person. Copywriting involves creativity, but it has to be practical. It has to sell. And so I've got some really interesting things put together to share with everybody. So let's uh, let's not just tease people. Let's kind of just jump into this week's episode. All right. So there's a, a saying out there from Albert Einstein, and it's you see it on memes on, on Facebook, and you've seen it quoted in articles, and you've Go hear motivational speakers. You might hear them say it. And the saying is, it's a quote. It's an accurate, direct quote. It says, imagination is more important than knowledge. Now, I have a problem with the quote, and I'll tell you why. It has led a lot of people to think that they don't need to know anything. All they need to do is be creative by using their imagination, and all their dreams will come true. And the problem with the quote is it's taken out of context. So let me read you the full quote. It's from page 97 of a book Einstein published either in 1929 or 1931. It's called Cosmic Religion and Other Opinions and Aphorisms. He wrote, I believe in intuition and inspiration. At times, I feel certain I'm right without knowing the reason. When the eclipse of 1919 confirmed my intuition, I was not in the least surprised. In fact, I would have been astonished had it turned out otherwise. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. It is, strictly speaking, a real factor in scientific research. Let me read that last sentence again, because that's really important. It is, strictly speaking, a real factor in scientific research. So what he's saying is knowledge is not all there is. It's not that it's unimportant at all. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that knowledge is not all there is. And if there's one word, Dr. Einstein, that I may tinker with on your copy, it would make that meme a whole lot better. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, here's something that Einstein never would have said. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing for copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Nathan, let's go over this again. Um, the quote is, imagination is more important than knowledge. And I'd like to add a missing word. The word is informed. Informed imagination is more important than knowledge. 
it doesn't let the know-nothings off the hook that way. Now, people will always take a famous person's words out of context and twist them for their own purposes. But I think the use of the word informed at the beginning of the sentence minimizes the potential for damage to naive people who don't know any better. Informed imagination is more important than knowledge. And oh, by the way, Dr. Einstein, wherever in the universe you are these days, you're welcome. (laughs) So uh, I want to tell you, we were actually talking about this before we started recording, but I want to tell you about my holiday journey learning about Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, musical group, the Beach Boys. I mean, everyone should know who the Beach Boys is, but I find people younger than me don't always know the same music groups I know. I found out about a documentary I hadn't heard before, and it's called Brian Wilson, I Wasn't Made for These Times. And from a musician's point of view, I think it's better than anything else I've seen. And I've seen several other movies about Brian Wilson. Now, for those who know about him, people think Brian Wilson was this wild, creative genius who just pulled fantastic ideas out of the air. And part of that is true. He was wild, and he once proposed bringing a horse into a recording studio um, for no particular reason. Um, And he was creative. And whether he's a genius or not, he did standout work that really no one's been able to match for 50 years, which is when he did the work 50 years ago. But here's the part that isn't true. The work didn't come out of thin air. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people, and this is just like the imagination is more important than knowledge part, right? A lot of people say, well, he didn't read music and he never took a music lesson. He was just a pure intuitive guy. No training, all inspiration. That's so fast there, buckwheat. His father was a songwriter. And when Brian was a teenager, and this is important. Listen, listen to this very carefully. When he was a teenager, he got his mother to buy him a record. This is back in the day of vinyl, and vinyl was how you got your music. Buy him a record from the four freshmen. And I didn't even know who these guys were until I had, I had to look it up. But they were a barbershop quartet um, from a university in Indiana. That's where they started. And they sang songs. But barbershop quartets usually sing songs in very simple chords. These guys would sing jazz chords. And I'm going to help you understand what that means in a minute. But the bottom line is they had very unusual harmonies for popular music, very unusual harmonies. So when Brian was in high school, he got this record, right? He would come home, he would listen to a song, the record, and there are four voices in a quartet. He would figure out each voice in the quartet for every note until he could play it on his piano. And sometimes he'd only get one or two bars, eight notes, in a song that would have 96 bars, 46 notes. So he might spend the whole month just breaking down one song, okay? Then he'd go back the next day after he did two bars and he he had another four parts and two bars on these next eight notes. He'd keep going till he finished the song. And when he finished that song, he'd go to the next song. Now, you could say, well, that certainly shows signs of mental illness, of obsessive <laughs> compulsive disorder. Uh, say whatever you want. That's training. That's incredible. 
And to me, and, you know, I don't have any real form. I've taken lessons, but I'm not an expert in music. But to me, that's far deeper musical training than if he'd gone to the finest music school in the country. And here's what I want to point out. He was doing the same thing with music that great copywriters do with great sales letters. He was doing the equivalent of hand copying them, not only hand copying them, but breaking them down word by word. So you might say Brian Wilson had the equivalent of a PhD in catchy pop song harmony before he wrote a certain song in the 1960s called God Only Knows. Paul McCartney once called this the greatest song ever written, and a website called Popdos wrote in 2008, it is simply one of the most beautifully composed and arranged songs, not in the history of pop music, but Western music. To place God Only Knows in its proper context is not to compare it to 1996 Paul McCartney, but to 1836 Frederick Chopin. Okay, so um, you might be familiar with this song, but you might not know it right off the top of, the head, of your head. It, it starts out, I may not always love you, but as long as there are stars above you. Okay, now, here is an important point. There's something wrong with that. It does not follow the rules. He's changing keys at the very beginning of the song. And see, my hallucination is if he had followed the correct, approved, traditional academic route and say gone to El Camino Community College, which was you know pretty close to where he grew up in L.A., like three miles from the town he grew up in, his teacher might have, you know, corrected his work, and and it might have sounded, you know, something like this. Okay, but that's not what he did. Here's what he did. Listen. And so you can say, well, he broke the rules, but he had quite a basis of experience and knowledge having broken down note by note, voice by voice, these four freshman songs. And I'm sure that's not all he did. Oh, after he did that, then he taught each of his brothers and his cousin, Mike Love, to sing harmony. So, you know, I'm, I'm pointing this out because it it goes against the the popular conception that people have that all you need to do is be talented and have a great imagination and it all comes together. Doesn't quite work that way. So what Brian Wilson did doesn't just apply to music, of course, as I mentioned before, it applies to copy too. And I wanted to take some time to rant about this because we have two groups of people in this country large influential groups of people and they're expressing opinions that are hurting copywriters and depriving businesses of much needed revenue, much needed sales. So the first are the 
academic corporate fuzzy thinking branders who believe that if you know my name, you'll buy from me just because of brand recognition. Well, I got some news for those guys. I know Geico's name. I can even narrate some of their commercials. They're funny as hell. They're really well done. But my home and car insurance are still with State Farm. And I'm sure you could think of lots of other examples, although what you think of as the commercial, you don't really think of the company. So that's the first group, these branders who say, just know my name and game over, I'm one. You know, no, game over, you've lost. Um, the second group are these proud know-nothings who point to the ineffective marketers in the first group with lots of formal education, okay? They point to the branders, and they decide there's nothing they need to learn anyway because, I don't know what, imagination, salesmanship. Some, they use some, some blanket word to ignore reality. Now, I, I want to give that second group some slack because it's absolutely true. There isn't much at almost every college and every high school that's going to help you learn what you need to know to write copy or to otherwise generate revenue for a business. But there are lots of other places to learn and lots of other ways to learn. And they're all very important and they will inform your imagination. So ultimately, of course, you learn by doing, by getting constructive and no bullshit feedback from someone with more experience than you and then making improvements and moving forward. But there is a very direct copywriting equivalent to what Brian Wilson did with the Four Freshmen record. And let me tell you about a client and a mentor of mine, what he's done. And of course, you guys who listen to the podcast, and I know you personally, um, Nathan, you know him, it's Joe Schriefer. So we had him on the podcast a few months ago. He's tremendously successful. He's an A-list copywriter himself, and he oversees dozens of other copywriters, part of a nine-figure, you know, fraction of a billion-dollar corporation, or LLC, actually. He's tremendously successful, um, and he had this Agora Copy Camp home study course, which is the exact training program that they use for their own copywriters. and. He gave me a copy, and in it, there's a lot in it, but the one thing I want to talk about here is his own personal swipe file. He includes the swipe file as part of it. It's 1.62 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. It has PDFs of 255 sales letters, and Joe has broken down each one. I picked one at random and found an average of one to two notes on every page. This is a 34-page letter. So you do the math, right? And now multiply whatever you come up with by 255. And that's just what he included in the product. You can be sure he has more. I don't think he's holding anything back. But even if he gave away everything he had at the time the product was released, he certainly continued to find new examples and analyze them as well. I mean, he'll probably be doing that every day, every week. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. 
That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. I'm just going to jump in real quick. I have Joe's Copy Camp also, and there's a lot of video content that was great, but the thing that I found the most valuable was going through and getting his insights on all of these sales ledgers. And like you said, there's just files and files of sales letters, and he's got his notes written on the sides or, or written inside of it. and um, you can tell that, like you were mentioning um, with with Brian, the way that Joe goes through and and figures out how to write copy is he goes through piece by piece and really dives deep into each little section and meticulously picks it apart and figures out how to reconstruct it. And I know that Joe Joe does have a degree in marketing, I believe, but um, I don't. I don't have a degree in marketing and I was able to learn so much just by going through his notes of um, how this deconstructing and reconstructing process works. Yeah, but here's the thing about Joe. Everything he knows, he learned at Agora. He was there for nine years. I think he started out with buying traffic or something and just studying stuff. He, he didn't learn any of this in school. He might have learned how to learn at school or how to keep your butt glued to a chair for hours at a time at school. I mean, sometimes I think the, actually, this isn't my idea. Um, my friend Jim Van Wick told me, but he said, you know, the purpose of school is learning how to start something and finish it. It's not what you actually learn in school. But anyway, so, yeah, so I, I, I didn't know you had had that. And, uh, you know, uh, sorry for everyone else. It's It's not in the market right now, but, you know, uh, stay tuned. I'll certainly put something up on Facebook if he ever releases it again, not as an affiliate, just as a service. But um, let's not make this just about, I mean, these guys are like, you know, they are off the charts, superstars, Brian Wilson and Joe Schrieffer. They're two of my favorite people in the world, but what they've done is not unique. <laughs> the way they've done it is unique, but what they've done is not unique. And for Brian, it's outstanding compared to what musicians do, what most musicians do. And for Joe, it's outstanding compared to what most copywriters can do. But there are others who, who have done as much or nearly as much as they have. It's not like you have to have some special gene or some special advantage. You know, you can do it. You can find swipes. You can go to swiped. Um, CO and get letters, download them for free and start to analyze them and figure it out. Um, another person, he was on the podcast, um, which we did right around Christmas time. He's done a massive amount of homework, research, thinking and informing himself, thus to inform his imagination as Paris Lompropolis. And by the way, if you haven't listened to that, and I know a lot of people were away during the holidays a few weeks ago, 
um, check back on, on the copywriterspodcast.com website and listen to it. It's amazing. Now, he said something during the call, Nathan, that you pulled out and used as a quote on Facebook, which I thought was awesome. He said, you have to find the 101st way to sell something that's already been sold 100 times before. It's a neat quote, and you can unpack a lot there if you think about it and follow through. But think about, this is what I want to get across here. Think about what Paris had to do himself to learn that you had to find the 101st way. I mean, how many ways of selling something did he study and catalog himself in order to know this? Really, think about that. Paris is extremely smart, supremely talented, but it wasn't just his smarts and talents that got him a control with Boardroom, where the royalties paid all his major bills for seven years. And so I've talked to a a number of other A-list copywriters who've done the same amount of hard digging and, you know, the boring, repetitive work that creative people don't always like because they knew, they knew the, the value, the outcome, right? And, and you know, one point I want to make, and Nathan, I, I guess you run into people like this too. I run into people who can recite scientific advertising by heart. They can quote John Caples, one of the old masters, chapter and verse, but it doesn't make him a better copywriter. It's not just the knowledge. So it, knowledge is important, but imagination, once you have the knowledge and you start to apply it, is more important. That's true, but it's that informed imagination. So if you apply the ideas you get in scientific advertising and John Caples, and by the way, they're still valid. You can't go wrong doing that. Okay, if you apply them, you start to write things that are not the words of the masters, but your own words as examples of how you might use the ideas that the masters have, that will load up your imagination and help you become a much better copywriter. I need to take a breath, say something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what this seems like to me is you need to have that foundational knowledge if you try and go into it with just imagination, you're going to be building on something that doesn't have a solid foundation. But at the same time, if you just try to only stick to what was uh, laid before you, if you try to only stick to the foundations, you're going to end up with a very boring, um, not, not something that grabs attention. And when it comes to copywriting, we don't want to bore people. Bored people don't make sales or, or, or don't, uh, don't buy. So it really is the combination of the two. It's not just the imagination. It's not just the knowledge. It's the combination of, of taking the knowledge and then using the imagination to build something new. Yeah, I think, I think that's extremely to the point. Very true. You know, I remember, I don't know why this just flashed into my mind, some friends visited me many years ago, and they had a three-year-old daughter. And we were walking around Japantown in San Francisco, and the daughter said all of a sudden, I have an idea for a new restaurant. It's called Hamburger Heaven. And I looked over her shoulder, and there was a restaurant called Hamburger Heaven right there. And and that's the thing. Like Kids have great imaginations, but it's often based on what they know. Your imagination 
usually springboards off of what you know. And so it was really funny for her to say that, but it was not an original or a marketable idea. Uh, but it was the invitation to a lawsuit for copyright or trademark infringement. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, so, so here's the bottom line. Application is key. And I hope that I've really hammered home the point that you, you need to get off your ass and sit your ass down. That's hard to do in the same emotions, <laughs> a couple of emotions, and, and do some of this grinding stuff to, to, to load up your imagination, you know, build up your skills, you know, give yourself some really powerful arrows in your quiver. Uh, so here are three things you can do along those lines. One is hand copy some winning sales letters or ads every day. Even if you've done this before, just do it. A second thing is read some good copy every day. I mean, the, the legendary Gary Bensavenga used to do that when he was at the peak of his career. He would read at least a page of copy before he started writing. That's interesting, right? Because maybe what you read in the paper or saw on the internet or saw on TV is puts you in a very different mindset from the mindset that is best for good copy. So number two is read some good copy every day. Number three is the thing Joe did, the thing Brian did, the thing I've done. Probably the thing you've done too, Nathan. We've never talked about it, but you know, with the amount of study and work you do, I can't imagine you haven't done this. Although you could tell me if I'm wrong. Step back from the words and sentences and start to see copy, not just in terms of words, not just in terms of testimonials and bullets, but in terms of structure. What's the sequence? How do all these things fit together? How does one thing lead into the next? What are the components? What does each one do? Why did the writer organize the components the way they did? So that's it. Do those things and you will add the missing word to the Einstein statement. You will be informed. Informed is about informed actions, informed things that work. Okay, David. Actually, you know what? I want to, if, you, if you'll indulge me on this, I'd like to take this last little bit of this podcast and turn that into the whole next episode. Get into You mentioned a while back uh, the idea of getting into how each piece of the copy works and what the job for each piece of the copy works. Does that sound like a plan for what the listeners can expect next week? Yeah, that, that, I like that. That sounds good. All right, sweet. Okay, David, uh, fantastic episode. If you're listening and you want to get more of your Copywriters Podcast fix, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Thanks. See you next time. If you found this show valuable and you'd like to get it in the ears of other people, the best way to do that is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes.